should all be rolling mm. with this. How many million are watching this? Seven, we've got 17.2 million. How many voted for Brexit? We've got all of them watching us now. <laughs> My people. Yeah. The real people. As, uh, I have the of the red wall. <laughs> yeah. As someone who's oh, red wall adjacent. Red wall. I, I'm, I'm a red wall. Um, although currently not in the bit of the red wall that went blue. Not yet, anyway. Oh. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I do like the idea of the red wall, which is just something that was made up whole cloth like last August, and yeah. everyone's just like, "Yep, that's a thing that exists and has existed since uh, since forever." Yeah, it was the first I heard of the red wall was in late November, and I was like, "Oh, I guess this is a thing now. <laughs> what could you do?" Um, <laughs> right. So I will walk us through what's going to happen for us, basically. So we're going to have a couple minutes for each of you. So we'll go. Um, we'll go remain and then literally anything else and then remain and then literally anything else or black pill or whatever you guys I'm having to support remain I know (laughs) I know you're having Jack you're going to have to make the logical reasoned case for staying in the Labour Party and me and Phil are going to make the completely pie in the sky anything is possible emotional case for leaving (laughs) how does how does it feel that's to, right. To be without a home, with no direction, a home like a complete unknown. Stop yeah. me. Okay. Stop me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll do that, and then basically, as we go through and do the discussion, if we veer too much away from the main topic, I'll try and pull us back a little bit. But mostly, this is just free form us chatting. Otherwise, um, I'm trying to think what the thing was. I'll try and feed questions in from the audience. So, if you're in the audience, there is a little thing you can spend golden tonties on which is ask a question. So I would encourage you to do that. Oh, I'm not actually seeing your golden taunties that, that uh, up close before. Those are, those are wonderful. Yeah, they were very well made by a follower on Twitter who has got <laughs> VIP status in this chat. So well-deserved VIP status. Yep, they tau alpha with the golden taunties. All right, so who on the Remain side wants to go first? <laughs> And on any of you task, what do you say, Nate? Like, which of us? I, I, I suppose I can start it off, and we'll see where we go from there. Yeah. Um, so I'm appealing to the listeners to stay in the Labour Party, not because I believe in the current incarnation of the later leadership, but rather because I feel that given the odd and rare bright spots that do exist within the current parliamentary Labour Party, and for the purpose of argument, I'm going to leave out all but maybe two labor councillors in the entirety of the labor party because I feel like that's a safe bet with regard to good versus bad labor councillors. But I want to talk specifically about the parliamentary labor party. I think that if you look at the politics being advanced by people like uh, like Zara Sultana, for example, never mind people like Diane Abbott, uh, you'll see that there are in fact labor MPs who are de- devoted to the socialist cause who at least believe at if not in the, the kind of politics that we want to achieve, at least in something approaching mild social democracy, the thing that we all got fucking soaked in the rain for last December, only to have the basically the the, the laughing pigs from Angry Birds laughing at us uh, when they won happen, even though we put in all that effort. So I understand everybody's emotional. But if you look at people like Zara Sultana, you look at people like... Uh, I, I'm, I'm drawing blank on some of the other names because that's how fucking hard of an argument it is to make. <laughs> you will see that there are people who are putting in the work and there are people who are, they, they 
represent the same values that we do. The problem that we have, of course, is that labor as a party is fundamentally undemocratic. And it is, to me as an outsider, it's weird to come to a country considering how undemocratic America is to then see a party that is the ostensibly leftmost party that has any electoral viability be so undemocratic. The idea that there's no open selection, there's no means of primarying or recalling a candidate, it puts us in a very difficult situation. However, however, the reason why I believe that people should stay in the Labor Party is, as I've mentioned, some, think of some of those names that I just kicked out there. Um, you have a possibility. Now, I call it slim, but you have a possibility that in the time between the present day and the next general election, there will be the odd chance of the Tories fucking things up so catastrophically that Labour does actually stand to win back seats it previously lost and potentially win seats in areas that did not have seats before. The reason why I bring this up is because not too long after the 2019 general election, we did a little bit of homework in the, the left Twitter uh, Discord channel to determine how many of the people who supported Owen Smith were still MPs in the Labour Party. And I believe the number was something like 102. Now, I'd like to hope that in the time between now and the next general election, and obviously this is assuming a lot, that there is, in fact, a, a solid possibility of labor winning seats. You could see people retire and you could see people win seats in places where labor hasn't held seats before. If you leave the Labor Party, then the people who will get those seats will 100% be like PPE factory melts. And what I'm trying to say is that if you can stomach it, if you are willing to put in the work to, to deal with all that bullshit, the possibility exists of being able to build a solid contingent of socialist MPs to have people to replace or to stand in the, like a modern reversion of someone like Jeremy Corbyn or Diane Abbott or uh, Tony Benn or um, John McDonald. Sorry, I forgot your name, John. So I'm just saying the possibility exists. Don't give those seats up to be, you know, the, the folks who are constantly screen capping you on Twitter and trying to call the cops on you. I yield my time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a pretty good opener from Nate. I feel bad for whoever from the literally anything else side follows up. Um, who wants to go from the literally anything else side? Um, Alistair, do you want to go? Uh, well, it's a tough act to follow, but um, I'll give it a go. Um, basically, I feel like uh, the Labour Party, uh, it's at this point, and well, I mean, it has been for a long time, is fundamentally it's corrupt and broken. Um, even when the left had, you know, as much of a grip on power within the party itself as it's ever had, it wasn't able to meaningfully and vaguely permanently uh, cement the power that it did have. We've seen pretty much every Corbyn supporting, um, you know, bureaucrat within the party has been removed from their post and uh, absolute shitheads have been put back in their place where um, where they were or similar to where they were prior to Corbyn's leadership. And that is a state of the party that I don't think is going to change without something big happening within the party itself, whether it being the party fracturing and um, the socialist campaign group or something like that, uh, something to the effect of that, seceding and creating something that I feel like I could, I could, I could personally contribute you know quite significantly quite uh, contribute money towards which i think everyone needs to also take account of the amount of money that people do send to the labor party as 
paid up members as members of unions uh does for some people amounts to quite a lot of their money and i think it's those people that and you know i think it's that lo- it's those people that the labor party should be representing uh, at this point it really really feels like the party does not want to represent those people it wants to represent uh people who would have been until very recently remainers now that uh, that's been knocked on the head by Starmer himself it's going to be interesting to see how that goes but it also feels like the party you know it should be this party that represents the interests of the working class people who are at the sharp end of society it should be a magnifying glass for mass movements of people and you know the raw emotion that is contained in those movements the obvious example being at the moment black lives matter and prior to that uh the anti-austerity marches the uh, anti-student unions marches the party is now doing for black lives matter pretty much what it was doing for the anti-austerity stuff back in the uh, early 2010s which is you know, paying lip service. I mean, you've obviously got uh, the good MPs, John McDonnell, Corbyn, Diane Abbott, etc. Those are obviously good MPs who are, you know, doing their best, but they are now all backbenchers. And this is going to be the state of the party for the foreseeable future. And we don't have time to slog away having these interior uh, battles against the party machinery, the machinery that is going to take every single step that it can. It can, it will do every single, you know, rule breaking, bending, racist shit trick that they can to boot out every single person who, you know, uh, liked a Jeremy Corbyn tweet or fucking voted for the Greens in 2005. And I find it hard to reason to myself the justification that staying in the Labour Party itself is a good use of your, especially if you're a, you know, if you're a very active activist, uh, using that energy to, you know, just have to be enervated by the party machinery when that energy could be used more productively by trying to, uh, you know, uh, promote things like the Black Lives, Ma- uh, Black Lives Matter movement, where we saw, for the first time in my memory, an actual thing, a good thing happened, where a fucking statue to a slave owner gets chucked into a river. Something that, a late, that you know, uh, Bristol's had a Labour Council for four years, there's been petitions for numerous councils before that to do something about it. What changed it? direct action and that's that's i think everything i've got to say uh i hope that wasn't too um <laughs> rambling or anything but uh that's 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 about where i feel like i am with the labor party at the moment that's good um next i guess that by elimination that means it's jack's turn who has okay. been given time to prepare a little bit at least <laughs> <laughs> i tried to write some notes down there but the pen wasn't working <laughs> <laughs> just foiled at every turn in this but no basically what i'm proposing is a strategy of in and against the labor party much as if the labor party would have taken government the left would have had to be kind of in and against the state however that would work i mean there it would be very easy to get dragged down in the contradictions of that uh, labor government especially with the current plp likely would have but um no, I mean, I think what's important to remember is that the st- Starmerism is a fucking con job. 
Like people did not go off what Jeremy Corbyn is and what he represented. They went off the public perception of him. They went off what was drilled into people's heads for five years that he was. As Corbyn himself said, you know, he wouldn't want to live next to the guy, Jeremy Corbyn, you see him in newspapers. You know, this has been a, a, a there's been a huge propaganda war against the left. And um, it's not that there isn't support for our ideas. Yes, there is, unfortunately, a worrying level of support for reactionary ideas. But I don't think that the policy issues that people were able to say, you know what, Jeremy Corbyn represents this. They were able to draw the connection in 2017. I don't think that people stopped believing in those things. I just think that the connection between those you know, aspirations of a better life that people have, not aspiration in a Lane Blairite sense, um, and, uh, you know, and the Labour Party as it existed, controlled by the left at that point, was kind of severed. And, um, you know, so basically, Keir Starmer just got, he got to where he is and was allowed to take over the party with his right-wing ideological project because he convinced people that there that there was no real significant difference between the left and you know the center left the soft left that well, we all believe the same things and that is the failure of corbynism that we didn't spell out the stark differences in ideology between ourselves and our opponents and we didn't make clear what was at stake in the country and the interests that were arrayed against us so this is what I think the project of the left has got to be. It's got to be to discredit the centre-left. To uh, Who was it who said the other day, somebody, you know, basically on the left said, oh, it seems like people on the left are just waiting for Starmer to prove that he's right-wing. Well, we don't need to do that. He has consciously been trying to prove that he's right-wing ever since he took over as leader. What we've got to do, I think, and this is going to be an enormous effort of persuasion within the party, is we've got to prove to other people that Starmerism represents a decisive right-wing ideological project that threatens socialism in this country and threatens what people on the left, broadly speaking, actually really do want, which is much closer to what Jeremy Corbyn proposed. Okay, and the last one for the black-pilled side. Um, <laughs> he, that's, that's his words. That was his words. Um, um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm actually... I don't think with any of the three who come before me that I would necessarily disagree. I think the point I would make is... Given the time we have, which is not very much time, you know, the, the acceleration of the climate crisis and all of the various other global things which are completely outside of our control, there is a limited amount of time before shit gets really bad. Given that, can the Labour Party be a force for good at all? I think yes. <laughs> But that brings with it a how can it be made to be that force for good? Because the problem at the moment is the Labour Party, as currently constituted, does not want to be a force for good. It wants to get right back to its really nice safe comfort zone where it's saying um, everything is basically agreed, everything's going to carry on exactly as normal, and 
what we're going to do, you know, it's the whole Starmerism thing, you know, it, it, it's about competence, as they put it. And the entire thing about competence is it's an empty, it's an empty value. What are you competent at? Their whole thing is we we just want to like just run everything as as per normal. We believe we agree with the Tories and Liberal Democrats on basic shape of the world. Just the Tories can't do it because they're incompetent, not because they're ideologically opposed, because they're incompetent. And we will be competent in doing it. The Labour Party fundamentally at this point in time does not want to be a force for good in the world that we can see coming down the track. If we want to make the Labour Party be a force for good, the only thing that's going to make it is an external push. It's going to be stuff happening outside the world, as we've seen with a statue falling in the river that suddenly got things happening. And that's just a tiny thing, and that by itself isn't going to be anything. And I'm, I've got worries about all these protests that they're going to peter out, that there's not going to be anything for them to hang on to because there's been so much deconstruction of community and just the general you know the general fabric of politics as it's experienced as it has been experienced by people in the 20s and the 50s where you had all these places where people would be together and politics would emerge as mass movements you know we, we, we've got a, you know we, we don't have those but if we're going to push the Labour Party to a position where it doesn't have a choice that has to come from outside of the Labour Party, not by battling through the internal bureaucracy and facing off against people who genuinely fucking hate us, but just who genuinely despise us and wish we would fuck off and die. Frankly, if we're going to be able to get the party itself as a huge sclerotic organisation to move, that has to happen from outside it now. We have to create the space outside of the Labour Party where they don't have a choice but to support the decent politics, which is the only way we've got to really head off what's coming down the pass. And that's what I would say. Yeah. So we've already had a few questions and you guys kind of touched on them a little bit. One of w the first one was from Tau Alpha, which was what did the sides think about movements like Black Lives Matter overtaking Starmer, which you, Phil kind of touched on as an external push that could, you know, force the Labour Party's hand a little bit. But if that's the case study, it's kind of forced their hand to do really empty, shitty things that no yeah. one really would buy into. And maybe that's a fact of Starmer being the leader. Whoa. I think it's shown, in fact, like a worrying degree to which protests can happen outside the Labour Party and not force their hand. I mean, the fact is that I, I think this was pointed out in it was either a New Statesman or Guardian piece that I, I, I didn't agree with for the most part. But like um, that, they made the point that basically like Starmer just doesn't think that the statue should have come down. That's just not his opinion. He believes in, like, law and order, <laughs> which I would wager that those of us uh, in this conversation would say we don't. Like, uh, he, you know, he just has this, like, fucking cop viewpoint of the world. I'm sorry, but, like, that's literally what it is. He's just, like, a born cop. Um, and yeah. you wouldn't vote for the cops. Yeah, well, he needs the Kamala Harris treatment, really. I mean, yeah. I if Labour under Ed Miliband, they were pretty copy then. Yeah, like, yeah, for, yeah right. that's, I think we should separate voting Labour at a general election. From yeah, no, you're right, actually. No, that's a good point. 
for the purposes of this discussion. Yeah. I, I would also throw something in there just because I think it's really worth pointing out that the Black Lives Matter protests in the United States have obviously now drawn upon a significant amount of support. And if you look at recent polling, uh, a, a majority of Americans support them. But I would, I would venture that if you look back at in and around the time the uh, Ferguson protest started in 2014, uh, I would say they had an incredibly negative like basically polling in the United States was such that an, an overwhelming majority of people had a negative impression of Black Lives Matter versus uh, those who supported it. Now that changed about six years. The point I would make is that I, I think that you up against a significant problem in the United Kingdom with the hegemony of right-wing media. But I also think that there is a possibility of being able to, of, of nurturing these kinds of movements that don't necessarily require the Labour Party's official functions. Because for one, they're not going to. I mean, as we've seen, local councils are incredibly reactionary. And for another, I mean, they could do early day motions and they can, you know, ask questions at, uh, at you know, in Parliament. But quite frankly, they're going to. The, the Tories have such an enormous um, majority that, like, there's not really much they're going to be able to get through. So that's not to defend the Labour Party's inaction because they're awful. And I mean, the, the the cowardice shown about the statue and other things is is obviously you know revolting to me. But I would also say that you could see a significant shift in opinion that is fostered by a protest movement. I don't know, and I'm wary of making one-to-one -one comparisons with the U.S. and the U.K. because British people seem to really enjoy anytime there's a social you know, movement or protest to just all be like send in the army and kill them all. But I also think that when you take something as a given in terms of opinion polling and its level of support in the general populace, that can change. And I think that uh, one thing that I, I, I'm very, very hesitant to make the direct comparison with something like UKIP, but I would say that if you look at the Tory success post cameras, it's because they absorbed UKIP. They just became UKIP. Yeah. And I do think that if a protest movement enough, agitates enough to scare labor, then they will absorb it too. Now, will they dilute it? I don't know. But I do think that that protest, protest movement uh, that, that addresses an issue that's of significance in this country could actually turn opinion polling around. And then I think you would find that at that point, I mean, if there's any party in the English speaking world that's dumb enough to look at an enormous support for a policy position and then not do it, it's the Democrats in America and it's labor under Starmer. But I do think at least that opens up a window of opportunity. Yeah, that kind of feeds into another question we got, which was given the state of the world right now, is it the best chance of, chance to see success in a new electoral vehicle? Which is kind of what a big protest movement like UKIP would be, because they did run in elections and they did essentially use first past the post to hold the Tories hostage. And they ended up getting everything they wanted. So... Oh, sorry. Um, sorry. Um, I, I personally would say that electoralism is a waste of people's energy at the moment. That going, that given that, and, and to be to be fair, and I've said this on Twitter, I genuinely think that we were sort of beaten after two thousand and seventeen when we couldn't get over the hump. Then the the left sort of didn't have enough capacity within the electoral system to to actually do anything um, and that spending that even that amount of time and you know I was out in 2019 on the doorstep trying to make it win I'm not you know saying oh everyone's an idiot for doing it I'm just saying that sort of like if you take a step back and a deep breath and a look actually the amount of time that electoralism takes to do stuff, we don't have that time, you know. The, 
really feels like a busted flush at the moment. Like it's been tried. God bless us all for giving it the old college try. But ultimately, where we come down to is have we got sufficient time to keep going on this five-year cycle of making incremental gains? And at the end of those five years, in 2024, we'll or 2025, depending on when they do it, you know, they'll we'll get a Keir Starmer government. Wow, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like it's a lot of time to spend working towards, eh, it's a bit better. You know, it's going to be a bit better than the Tories, but mm. one, of the, one of the sort of matters is the fact that, for all the fact that, you know, Labour in 2019, they were told, you know, oh, you know, you're giving everyone all these pie in the skies, airy promises. It, again, if you sort of, if you look at this, the big major things that are happening, big one being climate change, that's my drum that I bang all the time, but also sort of like the other world events, the sensible policy response gets more and more radical every single year. The thing that you actually need to do, to fix, the thing that we need to do to fix climate change in 1975 wasn't anywhere near as radical as the thing that we need to do to fix climate change now. And the same applies for a lot of other things. And if you can only do it by this incrementalist electoralist route, whether that's take over the Labour Party from the inside, whether it's set up a new vehicle, you're talking about five to ten years of just getting yourself, into, you know, especially with a new party, we might be talking 15 years before you get into a situation where you're actually capable of doing something. And at that point, you know, the Atlantic spitting out hurricanes in the middle of August that are wiping out Florida. You know, we are talking about significant problems which are coming down the pipe, which electoralism as a structure, I just don't think it's got the capacity within it, no matter how much energy activists put into it, I don't think it's got the capacity within it to actually do, do what we need it to do. So the only possible way of trying to get something to happen is to go outside of the parties, go outside of this electoral system where we're not constrained by this election timetable, and then and, and then try and set up a situation where if everything does go down the pipe, then at least there are institutions and organisations outside of the electoral system where we can, even if we can't put do anything about what's coming down, at least there can be things which are there which will help people on the ground. What I was going to say about the uh, why I think an electoral, the new electoral party for the left is kind of, uh, would be doomed, basically, is because I think there's one rule for the left in this country and another for, like, every other strange political opinion. Um, and, and, for example, there's one rule for the left and there's another for the sensible centre. And even the sensible centre couldn't form a new fucking party literally only the right have successfully formed a new electoral party in recent years and that was in the terms of like changing the Tories policy agenda uh, and the debate around the European Union in the country and winning a grand total of two MPs so I think that the supporters of the campaign group the socialist campaign group and their MPs functioning within Labour as a kind of party within a party. And by the way, I think people like Rebecca Long-Bailey, Margaret Greenwood, Dan Cardin, etc., who are on the left, should resign from Keir Starmer's cabinet because they are being, uh, you know, 
rumors say they're not being treated very well and clearly they're being made to like politically demean themselves with uh, although RLB for example is doing a, a, a better job than anyone uh, in terms of mm. doing the kind of things we'd want in in yeah. Starmer's cabinet um they uh you know she, obviously that's getting frustrated at every turn by by the leadership um but I think that, yeah, if the left want to have any engagement with electoral politics, it should be through the Labour Party rather than setting up a new uh, a new electoral party. But new new extra parliamentary movements are obviously what the left should be concerning themselves with now in great part, because um, we, we're now seeing a massive disconnect between extra parliamentary movements and the new leadership. You notice in the, the classic Keir Starmer campaign video, the one he dropped on like Christmas Day last year that everyone everyone was like, wow, he's a man for left, isn't he? That's what I'm saying about Starmerism being a con job. But notice how every rally and protest he was at in that video was from like the 80s. Like he's not been to a rally uh, in like, you know, fucking 30 years except to like arrest people. You know, he's literally... Um, as we're seeing with the BLM stuff, um, the like the the Labour Party in terms of its leadership and the official policy of the party is no longer going to be like a natural ally for grassroots movements. They probably won't support every strike coming. Although I think Corbynism has made them slightly more likely to support union action. Um, but that's what that's what I'm saying. Like in and against the party gotta re resist this turn because so, so it's remain in reform know. basically <laughs> uh yeah i suppose yeah. so uh, but, well, uh, oh, i mean no, it's not so much reform as rat fuck <clears throat> remain and rat fuck also but the problem with the rat fuck strategy is the reason the rat fuckers did so well is because they have institutional support in the press and everywhere else right yeah you're right i mean yeah. uh, you've also got to remember that the only way that a left like left leaning policies are ever going to be brought to the fore in uh like the minds of the public is if it is made unavoidable like with um i, I mean like i use the, the phrase left wing like broadly like the, the idea of that black people have a right to exist you know that's apparently a left wing idea um we have to force these issues to the fore through a means that means that the Labour Party itself actually has to sort of subvert the even the press it, the, because whatever happens, the press are going to be uh, completely arrayed against the Labour Party come an election. So it has to become something that even with all of those forces arraying against the Labour Party, um, it becomes you know the much maligned phrase of common sense and that is something i just don't see how that is achievable by diverting what energy uh people you know the membership has in fighting squabbles in within the party itself i think that energy has to be diverted towards supporting things like uh blm and any other sort of mass movements because you know, we are in, you know, a pressure cooker at the moment of, you know, a storm of all of these factors, you know, material factors that are contributing to people's lives becoming 
you know, uh, accelerating in terms of how bad they're becoming. All the, all the issues that we knew that existed, you know, you know, if you're on the left, you know that all of these issues exist. Uh, the um, fact that, you know, as Phil said, the uh, impending climate disaster, the fact that, um, you know, financial, uh, the entire financialization of the NHS, that's just being ramped up. And the only way that we're going to actually combat this in any way is by creating an atmosphere of unavoidable, unmitigatable change in what I mean, like I said earlier, the um, anti-austerity movement created the atmosphere for the rise of Corbyn. And I know that's sort of an advocation for the uh, propagation of the Labour Party as an electoral vehicle for the left. But that's the sort of unexpected, I suppose, result of support of those kinds of movements can have. And ultimately, I think those are, at this stage, the only real way we're going to see the change that is needed like you know within like I think five years you know is it's a long time and we're not going to change the Labour Party as a whole in five years yeah so I've got I received the tweet and an interesting question that are kind of on the same topic so Choppy asks what about the issue of replacing crap councillors with lefties and our good friend the trashies on twitter who everyone should follow um suggested replacing crap councillors with independence as opposed to just forming a new party so what does everyone what do each of the sides think about those two ideas throw those councillors into the avon too <laughs> hard agree yeah, I mean, I think that if you you stand the possibility of getting elected as an independent councillor and thus are able to shuck off the local party, that could be very helpful. I mean, I really think it's a case by case basis. But I mean, I don't. I mean, I live in I live in in South London, and my constituency Labour Party is awful, and my MP is awful, and I can only imagine it's worse. You know, if you go into like the the, the Tom Watson heartlands. So I feel like if there's a way of avoiding that, then that would be great. I mean, I think the big thing is, uh, we've talked about this before, I think, but there's also the, the, the problem of the Labour Party excommunicating people who support any party besides the Labour Party. So making sure the people that run as independents aren't like running as independents on, you know, like a notionally socialist platform that also is, you know, full on crank shit like you know like like the green party being left of labor on some some issues to them being like we're going to ban halal meat you know to own the muslims somehow that kind of a thing which they absolutely do you know what i'm saying and so like there's a certain degree of like ideological consistency that uh you have to ask yourself are you able to exert control over that now if you're if you know people who are hard hardcore socialists on board with the project like yeah i, I think i think you can you can do that um, but also, like, that's the perspective of someone who's only ever lived in London. I have no idea what it's like trying to run as an independent in, like, I don't know, in Nottinghamshire or something like that. Well, I mean, would you not be expelled from the party for supporting an independent if if you're a member? Oh, uh, but if, definitely if you're left, in, if you're a left winger. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, right. you remember what um, like, fucking kicked out, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> and much gnashing of teeth, and in that scenario. Oh, remember that guy who got kicked out of the party for saying that he supported Theresa May for Tory leader? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean, uh, sorry. I was just going to say, yeah. I was just going to say, like, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing things. Like, I mean, if the left, even within the Labour Party itself, started getting even a whiff of 
uh, control of the party machinery again. Uh, people getting kicked out for fucking uh, liking, what was it? Uh, food fighters. fighters. Yeah, just utter madness like that. And uh, and what and to follow on from a point that Phil made earlier, the fact that 2017 it really does feel like was the shot that the left was going to have as uh, through electoralism, because it was um, a culmination of factors. You know, one of the major points being there that they are basically massively underestimated Corbyn himself. Ooh, um, oh, dropped. bye, Jack. <laughs> Jack's just dropped. <laughs> Jack's given up. Yeah, he's just... Oh, he's back. Oh, he's back, okay. Yeah, sorry. It, that's the second time it's cut out in a few minutes. Oh, no. Right, um, oh, we had just... nationalised internet. Yeah. Oh, my... Have you seen fucking Tony Blair said that uh, earlier did, yeah. today? Oh, in... my God. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I see that just makes my fucking brain melt. Uh, I, think, I, think, I think David from uh, Praxis Cast has unfortunately dropped out of the chat at this point, so he's, I'm going to have to tell him about that later. But um, I forgot what I was saying now. Um, someone else say something. <laughs> I think what I was, was going to say is if you think that the... I, I mean, the, thing is, the weird thing is that I'm saying this as someone who's not been involved in local labour politics, but I've had various people in the local-ish politics around me sort of reach out and go, hey, here's a thing that we found that, that we found out through being, you know, in the CLP or whatever. Um, if you think that the National Labour Party is corrupt, just you wait until you see what happens on a local level. Mm, yep. Much less scrutiny. And frankly, these people get away with absolute murder. On the one hand, yes, it's slightly easier to come in if you if you're relatively well organised to come in and and become a town councillor or something like that because you need far far fewer votes to do it. So there's that in its favour. But as far as actually changing things, a lot of these places, especially the ones with the really deep seated Labour councils, have had the same people in post for thirty or forty years, and you'll have one guy who's the chair of something and then his wife will be the treasurer and then his best mate will be party secretary and they've got the entire thing absolutely stitched up and there is a chance that you can get some people on and it's it's certainly a way of doing things which might yield a few results better than the national way of doing it but the obstacles the obstacles aren't within the Labour Party themselves, aren't any less down at that level. The electoral obstacles are, but the obstacles of of the organization of the Labour Party itself. And, and this and this is this is the thing. It's not an ideological thing, I think, in a lot of cases. It's just they're in charge and they want to keep being in charge. And if you turn up and want to do something different, that means they might not be in charge anymore. And then that's it. That, that, as far as they're concerned, that is, that is all that they care about. They want to be in charge of their tiny fiefdom of the, you know, the town of lower arse fuck Buckinghamshire. And that's literally all they care about. They could give a crap about absolutely anything else. And to come against that sort of thing, the problem that you've got as a left is that you can't make an argument to change anyone's mind because there's no mind to be changed there. Just like you couldn't make an argument about the guys who we saw in the Labour leaks 
um, reporter who all sat there saying, oh, well, you know, we really want, you know, Jeremy Corbyn to lose the election because that means we get to keep our jobs. And that's it. That's it. There's, and there's nothing you can do in that situation because there's no ideological battle to be won. It's simply people who think they should be the ones in charge. End of story. I'm not sure I agree with that, though, because my interpretation of the the Labour leaked report was that these people are right-wing ideologues to the core. Like, on every issue you care to name, they have, like, the basically Thatcherite doctrine hardwired into their brain. So, I mean, I, I, I think, like, you know, we talked about squabbles within the party, and, yeah, it's a drag, but on the other hand, I... You know, I do think I I do view this as an ideological struggle. Maybe not the grandest ideological struggle, but um, I, I I basically think that in order to for the left to advance, we have to defeat the the pretenders of the centre left because they're just um you know they kind of just stand in the way of the left, saying like no, we're the left while doing right wing things. That is basically their function in in the world and um we i think we've got to fight them on whatever terrain that that you know there needs to be so at the time yeah i think there is more of a case for people to fight them from without from outside of the labor party but i i i no i really i also think that yeah there need to be people kind of frustrating them um because within the party, because going back to Phil's point about their kind of entitlements and their their view of them, their kind of divine right of kings view of themselves as like people on the right of the Labour Party, but they just are born to rule the party. Um, they really resent people on the left having any kind of presence in the party. You know, it, it, it nothing drives them wild like. Uh, as I said, when we talked about this issue of Macats on my podcast, the L- London Young Labour is still run by left-wingers, which it wasn't when I first got involved in the party. And, you know, they'll do like a tweet about Bobby Sands and uh, all the right wing will go insane about it. And, and, and you know, that kind of, it's small, small, I don't know if victory is exactly what you can call it, but but just, you know, Keeping the keeping the fight up against these people on like every front, it's just I think something that we need to be doing. Uh, I think I, I think I've got massive respect for uh, the position of be a massive pain in the ass of the right wingers in the Labour Party. I do, and I genuinely do respect that. Um, I just I think the issue for me, at least, is that the question is whether we can turn that into. Uh, you know, a, you know, big wins within, you know, a practical frame of time. And I, you know, <laughs> the big one being, as Phil said, the climate crisis. We are we are up against it now, and we need very very radical change. Uh, you know, we need to we need to basically just divest totally everything from carbon based energy at this point like just completely uh today ideally and that is not going to be something that is that is not going to be an opinion that is represented within the labor party for at least what 10 years minimum because it's just you know it's too radical it's too, it's not sensible enough and in order to 
push the Labour Party towards something like that. I mean, to just push the entire political spectrum, you know, the Overton window towards something like that requires probably something even bigger than the BLM protests. You know, we need to be seen. I'm not, and you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not telling people to do this, but like people protesting outside, uh, you know, like Foley oil refinery and stuff like that. And it's just not, going to come from the current leadership of the party and i don't see how we can you know draw them down to a level where they would see that as not only a viable but a necessary uh, course of action yeah we've also got a question now which i guess is kind of more for the remain side remain and reform i'm going to call you now um, uh, yeah, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, you fucking uh, Ramonas. Uh, <laughs> Come God. on, you're giving it all that. Yeah, so <laughs> think, you know, uh, the fantastically named Obamanator91, it's a great name, <laughs> um, asks, well, f- just sent this as a question. The big challenge for people staying within the party is how to convince all the slightly melty and naive, but well-intended membership of the bad, inherent bad faith of the Labour right and of Starmer himself. So how do how do you do that then? If that's something that would be, is that something that would be useful? And how would you I go do, about doing it? I do worry it will take a long time. Uh, maybe not too long because the the evidence is is already out there that that, that again that Keir Starmer's leadership is pursuing a right wing ideological agenda. But I mean, just it's always good. I retweeted earlier John Stone from the Independence thread about all the terrible and incredibly reactionary things that New Labour did in government. I certainly think that Starmerism in government would disabuse a lot of people of um of its kind of, you know, that it means basically the same thing as Corbynism in terms of a just and more equal society. But um, then again, were it to get into government, there would be so much kind of just like gratefulness that he had been Labour's first election winner since Blair. So um, maybe just like over this period of opposition over the next few years, people will become increasingly aware in the party. And that's why I think there needs to be a left within the party kind of carrying the flame of like, no, this is what people like, you know, actually (laughs) fucking uh, want, you know, not, not, um, what, what is it at the moment? So the only people who seem to think that sending kids back to school is the single most important issue right now is it is basically just like the most hardline Blairites in the country. Like you name them, this like discredited figure from New Labour um, wants to send all the kids back to school. Like why? What are they planning? I don't know. It's because they but, hate um... their family. They hate their families. <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> oh my god! I, immensely divorced energy stuff. there. Jesus Christ! I just realised. Yeah. These fucking kids. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I mean, but now Keir Starmer today has basically, contrary to what his shadow education secretary Rebecca Long-Bailey has been saying, which is all like there is a massive health risk if we send our kids back to school, Starmer, who, by the way, said recently, oh, yeah, I've been sending my kids to school the whole time. Fucking dickhead. Uh, <laughs> like, he's like, such a politician thing to do. Again, why he's just so, just got so, so much less character than Corbyn. But, like, um, you know, he, he's just kind of like, um, 
he's now saying something today about how important it is that we all get the children back to school as soon as possible. So it's like for most people, that kind of discussion that's happening on like the Tony Blair Institute uh for global change like zoom calls that's not what like normal left-leaning people are thinking about and that's the same with Miliband. like when Miliband was like we've got to slash benefits for young people that wasn't what like the average fucking person who supported the labor party was thinking you know that's like that this is an institutional thing this is what the left needs to do in terms of its own propaganda war which yes we have a huge disadvantage due to lacking the support of the media in um but we need we need to like you know really highlight this disconnect between now the representatives of the, the broad left and um you know where people's principles i think i hope but i genuinely do think actually are so yeah sorry that was a bit rambling that's fine uh, Nate, do you uh, want to get in? Or... Yeah, I would also just say that I think that one of the issues that you faced, Jack highlighted this with the media, is that there's obviously a zone two guardian liberal honeymoon period with Starmer. But I think there is obviously a good possibility that Starmer does something dumb, says something dumb that's completely out of step uh, with what people, you know, what, what polls among, you know, voters in the UK. The problem I think that we face is obviously so much of what we encountered canvassing for Corbyn had nothing to do with reality. Um, now, I don't know if the coronavirus and the handling thereof is going to change that. I do think that there is perhaps the possibility of a fracture opening just with the extent to which what people are experiencing in their day-to-day lives is completely opposite to the kind of shit they're, they're reading in the papers. Maybe, maybe more people will start to question it. I don't know. But what I do think is that Starmer's honeymoon period is just basically a huge sigh of relief from buy-to-let landlords that Corbyn is no longer going to be PM. And there's no risk of that anymore. But that doesn't really affect people who are marginalized you know, by the current economy. And how that filters into representation in the media, I don't know. But I do think there's going to be discontent, and I do think there's going to be a strong feeling among people who are politicized by events that the Labour Party isn't going far enough. Um, obviously, those people will probably be listened to if they live in, you know, fucking or somewhere, you know, not in London. But I also think that the, I, I guess I always go back to. Oh, have we lost Nate? I think we've lost you, Nate. Nate? Yeah. <laughs> they got him. The fucking Blairites, they the got Blairites him. The Blairites got him, everyone. They always joke about on Trust Future. John Rental finally busted down his window. And <laughs> now everyone, you know, I always go back right to my friends at the Tony Blair Institute for it's Global Change. Regime change has occurred, <laughs> unfortunately, and Nate has now been cooed. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I just... <laughs> well, we, we all know that the, that the votes were obviously rigged and uh, he only got to his position through corruption so um i think yeah. it's i think ultimately i think it was the right thing and if he if someone who is extremely right-wing returns oh. in his place then that's just how the way it's gonna happen i to think be. nate's internet has probably dro- oh okay i think nate's back back I, I i my internet connection is kind of unstable so feel free to continue on with what you were doing 
uh, we're just saying that, we, uh, that John Rental finally got to you. Yeah, that was it, basically. We just decided <laughs> to do that. Um. Yeah, I guess my, my point is that there has to be a fracture in which people you know, realize how much shit they're being fed by right-wing media. And I think stuff like the protests, uh, the, 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 the statue thing obviously isn't a popular decision in Britain, but I mean, I think that it shows the power of direct action. And I really hope that you see a thing where an opportunity emerges because people don't think the labor is going far enough and people, you know, actually take it into their own hands. I think that could open up a lot of possibilities. We'll have to see. But I mean, I think I think the big thing is, is that the UK is absolutely shitting the bed on coronavirus and it's only going to get worse. So that does oh, open yeah. up some possibilities of a lot of things that would not have been possible in 2015 or 2017 or 2019, frankly. Uh, I just want to say one, one I know, I know that... Um left Twitter at this point is basically just Brendan O'Neill head pictures and tweeting about like how... This? Yeah, it really went downhill when they suspended me. <laughs> just <laughs> that centering force now. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like 50% uh, Brendan O'Neill forehead and 50% uh, Keir Starmer should be 20 points ahead. Oh yeah, no, no, to be no, fair, I, I have been doing that. Yeah, yeah and like, and like and I, know, I know it's all like, uh, you know, we're doing it uh, ironically, but... There is, there is like just a tiny grain of a point because the tour, you know, 60 odd thousand people dead, increasing, and there's going to be more. And, you know, what the fuck is it going to take to make the Tories, Tories poll behind, poll less than 40% at this point? Mm. Um, how, how bad do, do things have to get? And this, I suppose, this is like the corollary to my acceleration, accelerationism of leaving the Labour Party, my anti, my decelerationism of people dying to coronavirus. Um, how many people is it going to take before, you know, Starmer breaks the Starmer's Labour breaks even and starts, you know, for lack of a better phrase, beating the Tories in the polls. What is the end point? Where, how? At what point do we say that the the political system is just so fundamentally broken that it takes you know hundreds of thousands of people dying from a well, almost completely preventable catastrophe for the opposition party to even come close to holding better than the incumbent government, the company, the government that's been incumbent for 10 years. And I don't see how electoralism and, well, I mean, sort of electoralism itself is, I suppose, a, a slightly different conversation, but I don't see how remaining a member of the Labour Party ultimately contributes to that reversal of whatever that that event ends up being that reversal of the polling uh just it is beyond me yeah i think yeah. one of the things that's important to recognize is the tory party by moving to the right by by incorporating all of that ukip bullshit that they are incredibly popular and i don't think that, that popularity is going anywhere and I think that fundamentally, I mean, you know, you, you know, as Alison just said, you know, if they could kill a hundred thousand people and still, you know, they 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 will pull thirty five percent at their absolute bottom. And yeah, yeah. when it comes to getting close to anywhere that matters, they'll they'll creep back up again. In two thousand and seventeen, the thing that 
scuppered us wasn't that um, wasn't that Corbyn couldn't pull you know a massive amount of votes in. It was that the Tories got fourteen million people to show up for an absolute dog's breakfast of an election campaign for a shit prime minister for a government that was genuinely awful. Forty million people showed up for it, and Tony Blair would have you know would have only just. I think, you know, drawn level with that. There would have been no Labour landslide Tony Blair in 97 if he'd been against Theresa May. Everyone's saying, oh, I don't Theresa think he did win that many votes in 97. Obviously, no, he was, won a bigger percentage, but... I think it was like 13.8, I want to say. It was something in that area. Oh, Phil, you've muted yourself. <laughs> ah, sorry, sorry. That was, I thought I was unmuting myself, but yeah. yeah the, you were right, though, basically. That's all I was saying. Yeah, well, I mean... The, the problem is, is that you know, you know, Theresa May, I think, got about the same number of votes as John, as Tony Blair in nineteen ninety seven, yep. and she was absolutely catastrophic. I just think that there's, and as Jack said, there's different rules for the left. Certainly, electorally, there are different rules as far as how well Labour has to be in order to go anywhere close to forming even a coalition, let alone, you know, form a government, and. Ultimately, until you see the support for the Tory party itself start to fall, irrespective of what Labour does, you aren't going to see any, any Labour leadership come close to shoving that out of the way. The closest they're going to come is maybe being able to squeak a coalition with the SNP or the Lib Dems. Well, and this that, is why I... Oh, sorry. This is why I think the Starmer leadership, the switch to the right for Labour is such a colossal mistake, because we need to be, I totally agree with you that this is like almost, I mean, I said that the centre left are like the main obstacle to the left's success, but obviously the popularity of the Tories is one, and we need to be challenging their ideological foundations. That's that's a core thing to getting people to stop voting for this party. And if Labour think they can uh, win hearts and minds with just, oh, we're going to be more competent tinkering around the edges from the Tory party. You know, I think they've absolutely got another thing coming. Yeah. Uh, did you, I don't know if everyone else saw the saw, saw this tweet earlier about, um, I think, I can't remember who it was. I think it was a some Labour Party official saying, essentially, wherever the, where have the left in the party got to go? And, <laughs> I mean, uh, and just fucking look north. You know, like what's what's going on in Scotland? How many seats has Labour got in Scotland? Actually, that does lead us into a pretty good question that we got. Probably be the last question we take from anxious comrade, which is: I know it's probably a difficult question, especially with the current panel. But is Scottish Labour redeemable? Which I think the answer is no. Personally, it's a complete dumps the fire. It should die. I mean, I mean, ultimately, Scot Scottish Labour is a, a culmination of everything that the Labour Party. You know, Blairite Labour, you know, New Labour. That is the entirety of, you know, it's the sum of their, of the political manoeuvres that uh, were taken while Tony Blair was leader of the party. And uh, that decline has just been, and, you know, we've seen, and it's exactly the same case as it was in, you know, the Red Wall. Mm. Um, just this incremental decline year upon year upon year. And really, realistically it's only the only thing it's indicative of is just the fundamental you know the fundamental rot at the very core of the party that has been brought to the uh attention of everybody well i say everybody everyone who cared to give a shit 
with the, with the leaked labor reports because it's only possible it's only possible to just continually do that fucking badly and have one uptick in your vote share in 20 years because uh, of a mild mannered guy who goes onto another fucking allotment every day uh so it's indicative of the problems at large in the parties, I suppose, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and we've also got a follow-up follow to that, which was, can we move this on to Welsh Labour? Which is functionally the same issue, I think, in a lot of ways. Like They're, gonna, they're heading for an ass-kicking. What's similar between Scottish and Welsh Labour is that both of them have leaderships ostensibly on the left. Um, I mean, I know that recently a right-winger won the deputy leadership election in Scottish Labour, but both Richard Leonard in Scotland and Mark Drakeford uh, in Wales are, are both, you know, ostensibly left-wingers, but they're, they're, for whatever reason, they haven't done with their their parties what Corbyn did with the National Party. Um, you know, how, however, whatever failures we can attribute to Corbynism, I think it was vastly more transformative in terms of uh, at least the perception in a way, for better or worse. Corbynism was consider, uh, considered a radical shift from the, the Labour Party in a way that Scottish Labour and Welsh Labour under their own left-wing leaderships haven't been perceived by people, um, you know, rightly or wrongly. And I, I think pr probably rightly. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I, so I, I can't really say, you know, I'm not Scottish or Welsh and, 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 and I wouldn't want to, like, grandstand about, uh, you know, particular um, areas of politics I don't know too much about. So, so I, I can't really say whether I think I'm redeemable. But it's... You know, the National Labour Party has certainly seemed far more adaptable to um, new political leadership than those two. Yeah, I would probably agree. I, I'm not, I don't think any of us are Welsh or Scottish, so it's probably a bit out of our wheelhouse to get into specifics. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's... there's um, yeah, uh, practice, on practice cast, we've got a few Scottish people, and let me, let me put it this way. Uh, discussion about... Scottish politics and uh, particularly whether Scotland should remain in the UK is a very uh, hotly debated subject. Um, it's I know and I I wouldn't really want to speak out of place in um, you know um, compared to the Scottish people we do have on the, have on our show, but it is just uh, it's a fucking Gordian knot at this point because in order to unfuck Scotland, you have to unfuck the Labour Party as a whole, and I just. Because you know, because Labour obviously has this perception, especially in Scotland, as being fucking no better than the Tories, but not even as good at being Tories as the Tories are. Because you know they're uh, pro-union, uh, as in like the bad kind of union, as in union with England, <laughs> as opposed to the <laughs> the good unions. Um, so it's it's yeah, like I say, it's a Gordian knot that. Uh, requires so much work that I find it hard to rationalise spending the time and effort to do just Scottish Labour if we're not going to do the Labour Party as a whole. If that makes sense. Yeah, you've got to take the whole lot with you, basically. Yeah, I mean, how how can you change Scottish Labour if you can't even change, you know, the fucking uh, Labour Party, or what is it, uh, What's the Labour Party HQ called? I can't remember the name of it. Southside or whatever it is. Mm. You know? Uh... 
I think the big problem is that, again, we're, we're talking about the, the peculiarities of first past the post. Mm. And I think you were right, is that without the Scottish MPs, without that big block of Scottish MPs, Labour have to pull so much higher in England that it's barely even worth talking about. And the problem is that Labour haven't got uh, enough, because the SNP are there eating Labour's lunch in a lot of cases. Yes, they're yeah. not the right wing as they pretend they are, but they're neither Labour now. Mm. So there's a real sort of like, where's the, in Scotland, which is the thing I, I'm afraid I can't really speak on Welsh Labour very much, um, but I understand there's a similar kind of dynamic with, that, with them and Plaid. Um, it's like, where does Labour go in order to say, hey, all of you Scottish people who haven't been voting for us for the last 10 years, you know, um, here's why you just start voting for us again. What do they ask those voters to to consider? Because they can't do the Tories like, because the Tories do that better. They can't do nationalism because the SNP have that stitched up. You know, they can't do left anything left wing because they're terrified of doing anything left wing. So what have they got? <laughs> I'll have to get a Scottish person on to talk about yeah. that with me, I think. Um, <laughs> we should have a whole different debate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, two yeah definitely. Scottish people, two Welsh people, all of them saying Labour, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just there, like, oh no, what am I doing? <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself? Mm. I just want a game. I just want to play CK2. Why am I doing this? Um, uh, I've, I've, played, I've been playing so much fucking World of Warcraft. It's unreal. <laughs> right. Um, I guess I'll just open it up to final uh, final statements from anyone who wants to make a final statement on this. Oh, okay. If you fancy doing it. I guess we'll... Any, any volunteers? I'm still in psychic hell from the night of, of December 12th, so I don't really think I can make a grand statement, but... I do think that uh, there's utility in not abandoning the party with the most left-wing members, even if it's current PLP sucks the big one, to use an American expression. <laughs> I mean, uh, I haven't got like a, a big grand statement, but I think, I think what, I mean, you know, the next election, I will fucking begrudgingly, you know, being in what, what was once upon a time, uh, you know, a swing seat, uh, or marginal, as we call them over here. I've, I've been wishing too much chapo. Um, <laughs> um, I will begrudgingly vote Labour, uh, but my fucking heart won't be in it. Like, um, I mean, let me put it this way. Last time I went to vote for Labour, I yelled at the fucking local councillor who's some weird, like, UKIP spin-off guy in his face that I was voting for Labour, and next time it's going to be like... Yeah, I guess I'm voting for Labour this time. And that, I feel, is going to be the fucking fundamental difference between this time and next time. And I think that the energy that I felt, you know, invigorated by Corbyn being leader of the Labour Party and the left being uh, the people who are representing the party is going to... That, that energy still exists to a degree. And the... the thing that sort of just stands out the most reminding me of it is when that fucking statue went into the Avon because that is one of the few good things that happened in recent memory and I feel like I want more of that I want more fucking racist statues going into bodies of water I want more people out on the fucking streets doing you know 
creating autonomous zones like in fucking um was it seattle that happened in which was fucking wild by the way oh the autonomous zone yeah like Mm. stuff like that and you know just makes me think that it is possible to build you know build things with other people that might actually make things slightly less terrible, like actual incrementalism as opposed to the bullshit that we associate the term with. And I just think that people should divert their energy and resources towards, um, you know, outfits and groups of people. And, you know, even if it's your own group of friends, you've been able to support each other and do things as a community rather than, sending money to a party that doesn't that hates you would step on your dick if uh, you know if they could uh i just i just really really begrudge the idea of uh, sending people like ian nicole fucking money every month because he's a shit nickel to you oh, fuck it. yeah i mean and uh, you know thanks for making my point for me jack like these people are always you know forever really going to be represented within the Labour Party and are going to be just lionised within it for some fucking reason. What, what I guess I'll say for my, my uh, contrary argument is that I haven't begrudged a single comrade who worked for the Labour Party since Starman became leader. But remember how much we ripped on all those fucking dickheads who posted pictures of their cut-up Labour membership cards with toenail clippers, you know, when Corbyn was moving. Like, I can no longer be, remain part of his party. Like, it was laughable when, when they did it. And though we're doing it for principled reasons, I think that it makes about as big a dent in the party as when, uh, you know, Councillor John Ferret announced he was leaving uh, in, in, in 20, 2016, I believe. Um, you know, this man, that sounds like he's lying. I, uh, Councillor John Ferret is a real person. It was trailed by the newspapers as a big Labour split, and it was literally just this one guy called Councillor John Ferret. But anyway, that was after Corbyn <laughs> won the leadership for the second time. But basically, we can't all be be a, be a man of, of Ferret's stature. But, but, um, <laughs> but I, I, I just want like... to quickly read something out from the chat, which is a, a membership yes. card come tribute, which I think... Well, that's the VOD burn. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> I now have to burn the VOD. Thank you so much. No, I, I mean, basically, I just think that it when, when again, someone like Diane Abbott comes under attack or a younger MP like Bel Ribeiro Addy comes under attack from the right of the party, we have more currency in our solidarity with them if we are members of the party. Um, and so, so I, so, you know, uh, in fact, I'll say Jeremy Corbyn as well. When I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I fucking owe that man <laughs> in some kind of way. I know he would say, what, I'm a public servant. Of course you don't. This is just my weird uh, Corbyn's daddy complex. But, you know, I, I, I want to, I don't want to, he, fucking fought this shit for for like 30 plus years he's still fighting i i i don't want to let that that great man down and that goes for diane abbott and, and you know the, the other greats of the left ken livingston no i'm just kidding uh, i'm just oh, kidding no. oh, oh, that's that's again <laughs> I'm ab- that was absolutely a joke the last bit but the rest of it was, was deadly serious 
you know, I owe Corbin in blood, man. My own. No, wait. Uh, never mind. <laughs> um, I, I, just so, just, just as a really quick sum up, then I think the thing that I would say is, if you if you are currently in the Labour Party and you currently feel as if that there is something you can see in front of you right now that you can do, like say you're a Labour councillor or say that you have some sort of sway in a CLP or something like that, then I can see the argument for at that point, you know, staying in. For the vast majority of people, though, I just think anything else is not going to suck your time. The, you know, the thing about, oh, yeah, it's not going to make any difference because John Ferret left. Won't make any difference if we leave, but then it won't make any difference if, if people stay either. Because if it doesn't matter if they leave, it doesn't matter if they stay. And the pro the problem that you've got is not, you know, is it going to be making some melt happy or not? But what are you doing with your personal time? If your time, if you genuinely feel that there's something in front of you at the moment in the Labour Party which you can say, I really think I can make a difference, then by all means stay. But if you're just sort of staying for the sake of it, take that energy and put it into something else. That is just what I, what I think. Okay, I've been asked... To, okay, so I've got two requests. One is, Jack, you have to do the Mike Gapes voice. Uh -huh. Okay. Here is why you should stay in the Labour Party. Oh, wait. <laughs> and now I have to do a poll, which is um, right now that Titans like Mike Gibbs are no longer there. I mean, yeah. yeah. What's the incentive, man? I mean, I mean, the, I suppose the ultimate irony is that uh, the 2019 election cleared out so much of the fucking deadwood of the party that if Corbyn had, for whatever reason or another, stayed as leader, then he would he would be in a better position to actually <laughs> okay. do the party anyway. But there we go. Okay, chat. You've got two minutes. To vote for Remain or literally anything else. Let's see who's won. Who has won? What are we doing in two minutes? Oh, see oh, this wow. chat. Oh, wait, why have I clicked Remain? Fuck. Is that, can I vote in the poll? Yeah, yeah you have a... Go to the Twitch. I'll, I'll link it in the chat. Yeah. Oh, I don't have Twitch, so no, no worries. Actually, I do. Browser, dude. <laughs> maybe I no, maybe I did use Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah, send it across. Why not? I think I maybe used it to do trash future. Just to put it out there, I think I'm leaning towards remain ever so slightly, as in the real referendum. So <laughs> good job, Nate and Jack. You swung me who was leaning ever so slightly towards literally anything else, including UKIP entryism. Oh, wow. I was like, UKIP entryism, that would rule. I think I think I, I think it's appeal to your hatred of Melts. <laughs> And I, I, I do, I do appreciate that hatred, but I think I do think the most compelling point that I've heard tonight uh, was, was from you, Jack, and it is the fact that Corbyn himself has been a member of this fucking dogshit party for so so long, and is still yeah. you know, fighting the good fight, really. And yeah, I I don't I can see that. But I mean, I can see it as well, but I think it comes back to the thing that I said before, which is the time. It's like, yeah, I agree. you know, there's, we don't have 30 years to fight it anymore. Like, mm. you know, if we could sort of do this kind of thing where it's like, where we could see it as being a generational battle. But we, I don't think we do. 
in all brutal honesty, I think we've got like maybe 10, 20 years of stuff where electoral politics as it currently exists will continue to exist across the Western world. And then you'll start to see, you know, crisis stack on top of crisis and then another crisis okay. happen. The poll has closed, I think. Um, literally anything else has won with 60% of the vote against 40% wow. for Remain. So no no people's oh, vote. Oh man, sorry, I am going to spend the next fucking five years trying to overturn this result. This is going to become my sole political goal to make sure that this, this illegitimate fucking Russia did this. Russia did this. <laughs> Carol Packwell are on the case. All right. Yeah. Everybody in the oh, chat man. who voted to remain, we're doing the Wolf Random next week. Get your dogs. It's happening. <laughs> Me and Nate in Parliament Square. It's on. <laughs> Fuck the lockdown. Uh, the mighty okay. ideological struggle of the podcasts. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that's a good time to wrap it up, actually. So I hope everyone who was a guest enjoyed it. Thank you for coming on, guys. I really appreciate it. Are we allowed to do plugs? Oh, because I've been I've been told oh, I'm pain of death. Do plugs. <laughs> do all your plugging now, real yeah, quick. Uh, follow me on Twitter at uh, sa underscore balastari b a double l i s t a r i, and follow me, follow the podcast I do, Praxis Cast or Podcasting is Praxis, which is just at Praxis Cast on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing it, David. I'm fucking doing it. Stop moaning at me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, we talk about all kinds of shit. Uh, if you want to hear Scottish people talking about English politics and UK politics as a whole, then uh, come talk to us over there. We'll talk about a bunch of other shit. Uh, can y'all hear me? Uh, yep, okay, yeah. Paul, please, please follow me at In These Deserts on Twitter, and please listen to the Trash Future podcast. Uh, I am not on it lately because I am editing the nightmare of remote recording. But uh, every episode is at least edited by me. And I will notionally reappear at some point. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed my commentary at least. Uh, and uh, that's about it. Is Hell of a Way to Die still going? Oh, yeah. God, man, I'm an idiot. If you want, <laughs> this is kind of a niche interest for a UK politics discussion, but if you're interested in leftist takes on the, mil the US military or the military in general and veteran stuff, I also do a show based in the US called What a Hell of a Way to Die. You can follow it at Hell of a Way on Twitter and it uh, comes out weekly. In fact, I need to publish the episodes coming out at midnight tonight. So y'all can catch me on that. It's good. I enjoy it. I have nothing to plug, so I'm going to plug Nate's podcast for him. Oh, I see how it is. I don't listen. I'll listen. I'll start listening to practice cast. <laughs> That's all right, mate. Thanks. All right. Let Jack, Thanks let Jack do his one. Let Jack do his. Can people hear me? Just, yep. Yes, Jack. Oh, cool. Because it, it. Sorry, it just sent me a message saying that there, uh, there's no input on my side a second ago. But apparently there is. So yeah, uh, I don't currently have a Twitter account because of fascism. But uh, if you want to follow real politic in its current incarnation, follow. Um, at RP Corp Intel, as in RP Corporation International Division. Uh, <laughs> we are currently undercover on Twitter, as you can see. Uh, we, we've also got SoundCloud. Um, check out the podcast there. And also our new uh, scripted series, Gapecast, in which I play Mike Gapes and a host of other characters. Um, mostly written by um the twitter user formerly known as farage's fucked face uh <laughs> aka richard miller aka jimothy baker oh shit i didn't realize that he was oh right oh, oh, did well, you well. Not know? 
I thought oh. everyone knew. <laughs> um, but he's the head writer on Gatecast. Me and him uh, basically do all the voices and stuff. So check that out if you want to, you know, w- want further adventures of Gapes. Uh, and subscribe to the Real Politic Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash realpolitic uh, because please, we really need the help. And also, uh, I've got a long ass article about Bob Dylan coming out when New Socialist has its relaunch. So check that out. That's that's me, yeah. folks. And basically, my only thing is, I do these Twitch streams. I, if you <laughs> like these debate things, do follow me on here, so I know that people like them. And otherwise, I mostly play Crusader Kings and other stuff, and have people on <laughs> and yell about the Labour Party being shit or not shit. <laughs> Depending, it depends who the guest is. I'm just the funnel through which I present these opinions of other people. But other than that, uh, thank you for hanging out with us tonight. And um, I need to get off the uh, internet pretty quickly because well people who are the the guests will know why um, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise uh, goodbye everyone and um, stay safe obviously and take care <laughs>